0: You know, that's the 4th of July weekend, and so many of you maybe have gone to a 4th of July party, uh, or gone yes. seeing the fireworks. And one of the things about 4th um, of July is we're a nation of immigrants, and so you go to a 4th of July party, and you never know what you're going to see there in terms of food, right? Because sometimes there's food that looks really gross, but it's actually really good, right? And many times we let what we're used to or how things look get in the way of experiencing a blessing so for instance uh, put that first picture up there this looks gross right it's it's poutine right so you French Canadians you're like oh that's 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 good it's good tasting but it looks gross right <laughs> let's just say that right now it looks gross um, next picture is one of my favorite Indian foods it's um, palak paneer it's, it's, it, it is so good but it's like green it looks so gross but it is good The point is, is that oftentimes we pay more attention to what we're used to and the look of things than the heart of the matter, what's really important, the inside of that dish. Um, And that's what our scripture is uh, talking about today, Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of context for our scripture reading, and then Rayshawn's going to read it for us. But remember, in this series on in the book of Matthew, called A Story Bigger Than Your Own. We're invited into that story, and as we've read how Jesus taught and what he was doing, we just finished a section where um, Jesus did some miraculous things. He healed lots of people. He miraculously fed 5,000 uh, people. Uh, he walked on water. And the disciples, when after all that, they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And now we move into the section in Matthew chapter 15 where Jesus, his identity, his identity is becoming more and more clear. And more and more people are following him, but also the um, opposition is increasing. And one of the things that the religious leaders are doing is they're increasing their opposition because Jesus, his ministry doesn't look the way he, they think it's supposed to look. He's not following the traditions that they follow. And so that causes a conflict. So that's the context. I'm going to invite Rashan to come read our scripture today. Uh, Rashan joined our church not long ago, and so we're glad to have him and have him reading our scripture.
1: Thank you. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother to be put to death, but you say, that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help the father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesies about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, what what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know what the Pharisees were offended, were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them their blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them.
0: Thank you, Rishan. So here we have um, some heavy hitters from Jerusalem Uh, coming Uh, notice that it says yeah these pharisees and scribes from jerusalem come so these are from the center of power uh, in israel and they've come to observe the ministry of jesus because again it's becoming more and more popular and right away they notice something that doesn't look right to them jesus followers they don't wash their hands before eating they don't follow the traditions of the elders and before you go like wait 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 a minute aren't we supposed to wash our hands well this is not a hygienic thing right this is a ceremonial thing so at that time they didn't know about germs but the hand washing was something where they said all right um I can become unclean by the environment around me. I can become defiled. Now, what that means in a religious biblical sense is it makes you uh, unqualified to enter into God's presence. So, certain foods, certain things, you can't enter into God's presence. You become unclean. And so, the Pharisees, they had this tradition where you never know what you're going to touch or anything, and you might pick up some sort of ceremonial uncleanliness. So, therefore, you should wash your hands. That's what this was about. Now, the Old Testament does contain laws on purity, and I'll get to those in a minute, but hand-washing was not one of them. Again, it was more of a religious tradition that developed So what are traditions? What are religious traditions Um, or just any traditions? Well, we all have them. We all have traditions. Traditions often are those observable things that mark you off as a part of a group if you follow them. So the Pharisee said, all right, Jesus, he's a rabbi, he's a Jewish teacher. So therefore, he he should be observing these traditions. And the fact that he's not following them, then he's not a part of our group. That's what traditions are. And hand-washing at a time, was it, it could be helpful, right? It, it reminded people and showed them that you care about religious purity, that you care that the, the God of Israel is a, a other God, that he's, um, he's not like the pagan gods, and he's uh, set apart the people of Israel, so therefore there's this kind of wall of separation. There are these barriers to keep God's holiness intact. problem is, is that they develop this tradition of hand-washing to sort of say, all right, this is what God has said, and I'm going to put an extra layer there. And when I look at people, I can tell if they're serious about God's purity and holiness by if they're washing their hands or not. And that's where the problem comes. Because external, observable things don't reflect the heart. You can be washing your hands all the time, but that doesn't mean your heart is for God. And that's what Jesus calls the Pharisees out for. He calls the religious leaders out for following, uh, excuse me, for focusing on the look of things instead of the heart of things. And the Pharisees, it's not like, well, they just do this one thing that's off, it's actually a pattern. The Pharisees and religious leaders have a pattern of focusing on these external markers, these traditions, and those matter to them more than God's commands. And the the example that Jesus brings is he takes a different example and he brings the example of one of the Ten Commandments. So it's a big one, right? It's made the top ten list is honor your father and mother. He's, he, he brings up that command. Their command is honor your father and mother, and if you don't honor your father and mother, you should be put to death, right? He, he cites the Old Testament law. Well, their tradition, and that Rashawn read about this, was if you wanted to seem really spiritual, you would say, all right, if I die, take all the things that I have and give them to the temple or give them to God. Now, that does seem spiritual, Problem is, is that where did you get all those things? Usually you inherited them from your parents. So you inherit these things from your parents. Your parents are still alive, but you die and you give the stuff away. What's going to happen to your parents? That's the Jesus point. He's like, all right, you are breaking the command to honor your father and mother. Because if your father and mother have to beg for food, that's not honoring them. But you follow this tradition of, oh, look at how spiritual I am. I'm giving everything to God. And at that, because remember, at that time, there's no social safety net. So how did you honor your parents? It's like you looked after them because the government wouldn't do it. No one would do it if you didn't do it. And Jesus is pointing out, see how you focus on this tradition and thereby you break an actual command of God. And he quotes Isaiah 19, 13, where... Uh, Isaiah called out Israel for honoring God in the external things, but not having a heart for God and having a heart that was far from them. He uh, quotes Isaiah in Matthew, and this is verse 8. He says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So they pay attention to the look of things not the heart of things. They mix up their traditions with the commands of God. And so what matters to them most is not what matters to God most. So let's just stop and let that kind of bounce around in our heads today. Because what about you? What about me today? What do you look for To see if something is good, if something is spiritual. When you came here today, what were you looking for to see? Is this, you know, is this a godly place? Am I going to encounter God? Because often it's things that are observable and and, and, and according to our tradition But not the heart of God, because who can measure the heart of a person? Who can measure the heart of God? So we get lazy, and then we start to use these observable markers that may be important to us, but may not have any bearing on what's on the inside. So, for instance, in the 1700s, if you are a a Protestant, one of the things you might look for to tell if a church is a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church is a big pulpit. A gigantic pulpit. That is a very big pulpit. Notice that you not only have to ascend up to the top, but then you're you're over the people, right? The word of God over the people. Now I don't know what that little like like umbrella is on top of. Did they expect it to rain in the church? I don't know. Um, I think it just added to the size, right? But in 1700s, you might go into a church and be like, oh, or what if you came to this church? You're like. They don't even have a pulpit. (laughs) They they must not value the word of God because they have no pulpit. And yet, what what do I do? I, I, I preach from the word of God because we value it. That's why we go through books of the Bible, because we value it more than, you know, anything else. But again, observable things. It's our tradition to have big pulpits. Other things. We may go... It can go either way. So we can go into a church, right, and, and uh, we notice that nobody's raising their hands. Oh, well, they must not be a spirit-filled church. Or the opposite. We go into church, everyone's raising their hands. Oh, they must be so close to God. I've been in churches where no one raises their hand, and they are full of the spirit. I've been in churches where everyone raises their hand, and there is something off. These observable things, this shorthand that we look to, to gauge is often an improper gauge because what matters to us sometimes, it, it doesn't matter to God. We look to the things on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And that's what was going on with the Pharisees and Jesus. They valued this tradition. They said, oh, Jesus, you're not following that. So therefore, you must not be from God. That's why he calls them blind guides. guides. Because they're blind to what God is doing in Jesus. And in verse 10, Jesus calls the people together. And he goes deeper into this kingdom principle that has bearing on the controversy of washing hands, but also has application for all the Jewish dietary laws. And this is, in verse 11, he gives this kingdom principle. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. So what matters to God is what's on the inside, because that produces what comes out, what's on the outside. And again, that word defiles, that word clean, right? It's talking about ritually uh, clean, that uh, what defiles a person, what makes a person unable to approach God, right? It's not what external things that come in, it's rather your heart, and Matthew doesn't get into this a lot, so I'm not going to, uh, but just to say that in the New Covenant, and we'll be observing the Lord's Supper where we um, celebrate the, the New Covenant, right? The New Covenant, there's no longer this category of ceremonially unclean so that you, can, you can't approach God. Why? Why is that? So when we read the Old Testament, it talks about dietary laws, and it talks about, uh, you know, the uh, uh, holy place and all of that stuff. Why is that? doesn't apply anymore. Well, because of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice has fulfilled that whole category so that anyone can approach God in Jesus' name. And if you think, I want to go more into that, well, you should. Go read the book of Hebrews, the New Testament book called Hebrews. Read that. It's all laid out how Jesus fulfilled the law, the ceremonial law, so that we can all approach God. And one is able to approach the holy God based on what God has done for us, not on our own law-keeping. What that also means is that even people who were considered unclean can come to God, and that will be shown in the next passage. Well, the Pharisees were offended by that. They were offended that Jesus seems to disregard the purity laws, um, but it was really him disregarding their traditions. But then also knowing that he was going to overturn um, those ceremonial purity laws because he was because of his sacrifice. And he explains this principle in verses 16 through 20 even more in that he says, all right, it's not what is outside that goes in that defiles a person. Because why? Well, something, you eat something, whatever, and it goes into your stomach and it becomes eliminated. All right? It's kind of bathroom talk. But hey, I can talk about it because it's in the word, right? So you just, it, it, <laughs> he's like, it's not a big deal. You, you know, it goes in, but then it goes out. He's like, so that's not a big deal. That doesn't matter to God. He says, but what does matter is what comes out from the inside. He says, evil thoughts of the heart, these defile a person. It's a heart issue. That's what matters to God. So what comes out, it reflects what's on the inside. So it's not externals, and it's certainly not traditions. So if Jesus was overturning the ceremonial laws that were actually in the Old Testament, then certainly he's overturning traditions. But no, it's not that actions don't matter to God. They do. In verse 19, Jesus, he's, he, it's not like, okay, I have fulfilled the law, so therefore, anything goes, it doesn't matter what you do. No, it's the ceremonial law doesn't matter. You can approach God, but God still has a plan and a will for each one of our lives. That's what sin is. Sin is not following God's will for you. And so he says what defiles a person it's not from the outside in it's from the inside out and he talks about these moral sins okay not just not ceremonial sins but moral sins that separate us from god these flow from the heart so in verse 19 yes certain things matter to god when they reflect our heart so it says you know it matters to god when you murder it does. <laughs> That's not his will for you. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You can't say, well, all right, well, Jesus, he died for my sins and then just keep slandering people. Keep tell, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, telling lies and, and cutting people down and saying, ah, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm saved by grace. Well, no, no. Like, that's not God's will. When we repent, part of the kingdom is that we see our own fallenness, we see our sin, and then we turn to Jesus and follow him because of who he is. And yes, he's broken down every barrier so that we can, even if we were walking in those things, we can leave those behind because Jesus invites us to follow him. That doesn't mean, okay, well, I can keep slandering. No. No. Because these things, when they come out, they show that our hearts are not aligned with God. And then God transforms us because that's a part of the new covenant. The new covenant is that Jesus gives us a new heart. He fills us with his spirit so that it's not about trying harder. It's not about even focusing on these behaviors It's rather if we see these things and we're walking in them, it shows, all right, God, my heart isn't right, and so I'm going to run to you. Because I can't do this by just trying harder. I need a new heart. I need your spirit, God. And then God changes our hearts through the spirit. And from that new heart flows new life, new behaviors. But it's not about the fruit, it's about the root. The root produces the fruit. So don't focus on the fruit, focus on the root. And the root is the root of Jesse, the son of God. He will change our hearts. And so when we emphasize externals, I mean, definitely traditions, but also markers, things that we want to look for to see if someone's spiritual, like the Pharisees, we emphasize the wrong thing. Instead of emphasizing that true heart repentance and that change that Jesus can bring us. Because that in and of itself is so radical. And many people who talk about, you know, deconversion stories, there's so many of them out there. A lot of times the problem is, is that people want to do big things for God. They want to follow God. They want everyone to see how, you know, big for God they are, that they don't actually love God. They love the things of God, but not God himself, or they say, all right, this church, they, this church or that church focuses on these external things and they know it doesn't matter. And so they walk away because they understand that the heart is, is the issue and that the heart hasn't changed. So it's about not conformity, but transformation. And this, where this really, where the rubber hits the road here is not just, okay, this is a good principle It's about people coming to know Jesus. Because we can keep this as a principle. Okay, that's a good thing to keep in mind. But when Jesus talks about these things, it's so that people would take a step towards him. And we have an example of this in the next section. Rashaan didn't read this part, but I'm going to read it. Because what we have now is we have a non-Jewish woman who by all appearances, who by all traditions, should not be able to approach God, experience God who should not be able to come to the Jewish Messiah, her daughter gets healed by the Jewish, Jewish Messiah. Why? Because her heart of faith. So let's look at this. Matthew 15, 21. This is the next verse. So it goes right from the, uh, you know, it's not, what, it's not the look of things, but the heart of things. It goes right into this next episode. In verse 21, it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Those are, that's Gentile territory. And behold, a Canaanite woman, I won't get into that, but from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now this scripture causes lots of people issues because it's like, Wait, is Jesus being racist? I mean, he's, he's talking, he's saying, you know, I come for the sheep of Israel and I, I'm giving them spiritual food. It's not right for me to give that food to the dogs. And that's what the Jewish folks often called Gentiles, was dogs because they were unclean, right? But notice what Jesus does here. He brings up this issue, this barrier, That, hey, this woman is unclean. We all know she's unclean. And so he brings up that barrier, tests her faith to show once and for all that that actually doesn't matter. What matters is her heart of faith. He brings up the issue to show how it's overthrown. Because, again, as the the Pharisees or anyone saw her, they would be like, yeah, she's unclean. She can't come to the Jewish Messiah. And Jesus, uh, you know, he kind of holds to that for a minute. He brings it up. But the woman, she doesn't let that barrier get in her way. No, she keeps pressing. Why? Because her, in her heart of faith, she is desperate. She is desperate for her daughter to be free of these demons. So it doesn't matter when Jesus kind of doesn't pay attention to it first. No, her heart of faith is such. She even calls him the son of David. She knows he's the Messiah. And therefore he, she knows when the Messiah comes, he's going to, yes, reach the Jewish people, but then that blessing is going to go through the children of Abraham to all the world. So that's why she says, oh, just give me crumbs. Anything will do. That's her faith. That's her desperation. And Jesus says, great is your faith. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. It doesn't matter her nationality. It doesn't matter that all the other Jewish people would say, yeah, she's she's not clean. He sees her faith and affirms it and says, this, this is the faith we're looking for. And she experiences God. She experiences healing. Healing. So the importance of the heart of faith over external things is emphasized, again, because Jesus brings it up just to throw it out. It's amazing. You know, I showed you a couple of foods that I like. At the beginning, you know, poutine and palak paneer that look gross, but I really like the taste of them. They're really good. But, you know, if you're a type of person who doesn't like to try new things um, (laughs) uh, or you don't like the look of things, you'll often jump into that dish and try it if you're hungry. Like, if you're really hungry, then you're like, "Mm, fries with gravy and cheese curds? I'm starving, though, so I'm going to try it. That's what this... Canaanite woman was right she was so hungry for Jesus she was desperate she didn't let the barriers get in her way and so she ran to Jesus whereas the Pharisees they weren't that hungry they saw Jesus they had their traditions they didn't line up and so they said I don't want any of that that doesn't look good to me what Jesus is doing doesn't quite look right to me It's not what I'm used to, so therefore I'll pass, I'll pass on that. Whereas this Canaanite woman showed what true faith is by running to Jesus, and he Put up those barriers, right? Say, hey, this is this barrier. She would not let those barriers stop her. And in the process, she showed what Jesus was truly looking for. She showed what the religious leaders, those who knew the law, knew their traditions and followed them, the people who, if you looked at them, you would say, oh, they are they are tight, man. They, they've got everything in line. Let's go down the checklist. Memorize scripture, check. A, a faithful attendance in synagogue, check. Look at this woman and be like, she's a Canaanite woman. She's so unclean that her daughter's possessed by a demon. And yet, at the end of this, who's the one who's held up? The one who has the heart of faith? This Canaanite woman whose daughter is cleansed and she experiences the power of God. My friends, this is such a lesson to us. What do we value? What do we look for? In a church, in a Sunday service, the things that we often that often matter to us do not matter to God because He is looking for that heart of faith. About twenty years ago, I was preaching in a congregational church, and you know they're kind of high church. I mean, I'm low church, but they're high church. They like their pastors to wear robes or suits, right? Well. I was preaching. I don't think it was this passage, but it was one similar uh, about God caring about the heart and, you know, heart transformation. And I preached it like I'd never preached it before. Um, I thought, well, I think that went pretty good. And then, anyways, that week, I got a letter in the mail uh, from this this woman. And there was a check in the... the, It was like a check for like a couple hundred dollars. I was like, whoa. And in it, though, she wrote, "Um, those khaki pants you wore... With that blazer, you really should wear a suit. But hey, you know, so here's some money to buy a new suit. (laughs) I would say, yeah, there were khakis like these. Um, But to me, it was was so, I was like, oh, Lord. And that what matters to God, like, and I was preaching about, oh, it's the heart of thing, it's repentance and all of this stuff. And for the whole time, she was just looking at my pants, right? And so what what matters to God often and what matters to us often doesn 't matter to God, and I mean that 's funny, and we laugh, but what are the things that we 're looking for that we pay attention to that if we come in here and that 's off, we 're off so many things, and oftentimes when I come in here there's things that are off that I have to pray about, i 'm like lord May my heart seek after you so that all the distractions, all the things that are not on point, according to my tradition, doesn't keep me from following you. So that's one thing, is that one of the applications of this is is confess. And what I mean by confess is, biblically, confession is simply agreeing with God. I mean, yes, it can mean, God, I've sinned, and I agree that it's wrong, so I'm repenting. But confession also could just be, it just means in general agreeing with God. Meaning, God, what matters to you matters to me. What doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to me as much either. That is confession. So a part of that is simply expressing that to God. God, I want to know what, what your, what's, matters to your heart because I want it to matter to my heart. And again, this isn't just churchy stuff. Like in our culture, there's certain things that matter, certain things that don't matter. And we very easily can go into that and say, all right, this doesn't matter because no one thinks it matters. Well, no, it might matter to God or the opposite. And then finally, you know, we're gonna be observing the Lord's Supper today. And it really is about having that heart of the Canaanite woman to come to Jesus, understanding that we need the heart transformation, that Jesus is after our hearts. And that when we focus on external things, we're focusing on the wrong things, right? Even, even, Even things that in the Bible are listed as sin. So maybe you do have trouble with slander, right? Maybe it just comes out and you slander people. Well, that is not meant for us to be like, okay, it doesn't matter. It's meant to drive us to God. It's meant to drive us to Jesus and say, Jesus, my heart does, does not follow your commands naturally. I need a new heart. And Jesus, in his grace... He died so that anything that would come in between you and God, he's taken it away so that you can come to God and God will pour his Holy Spirit upon you and your heart will change. And sometimes instantaneously, things that you used to do, you don't do it. But then other things, it's step by step. It's growth. It's a process. But make no mistake. God changes us from the inside out. But don't focus on the external things like, okay, that means I got to try harder not to do this. I got to try harder uh, against this. Now that is supposed to make us so hungry for the internal transformation of God that like the Canaanite women, no matter what we've done, no matter what people say, we just run to Jesus. Even when people say, hey, stop making all that noise. No, I just need Jesus. And then trusting in his transformation Let's pray. Dear God, as we enter this time of the Lord's Supper, we open our hearts to you. And God, we confess. We confess that our hearts aren't right. We confess, Lord, that there's so many things that really don't matter to you. And yet they're what we focus on. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, let our heart... Break for what breaks yours. Let our hearts rejoice in the things that you rejoice over. But, Lord, we know we need a new heart. We know we need transformation from the inside. And, Lord, there are some people who are here today who are just feeling the overwhelming burden of their own sin. They know they can't escape it, Lord. So I pray that you would fill them to overflowing with your spirit Lord, so that they would know that you are what they need, that you are the answer, and they would receive all that you have for us, all the things that you gave to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.